Now, you have to remember, I'm used to preaching in Africa now. So, Africans are very vocal. Praise God. I like that, actually. So, if you happen to be a vocal person and say amen and all that kind of good stuff, then, then I'm, I'm, for, I'm for it. So, don't, don't hold back. Uh, I, I love that. I love that. Now, we, we have a passage that I, we want to read from John chapter 20, verse 19 through 31. And in honor of the reading of the Word of God, I'm going to invite you to stand with us, if you can, if you're able to do that. And it's going to be on the screen, or if you have your own Bibles, please read along with me. I'm reading out of the ESV. Again, this is John 20, 19 through 31. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors were being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he said this, had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see his hands, the, the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Well, eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them, although the doors were locked. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Put your hand in and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Would you pray with me this morning? And Father, we thank you so much for the word of God. We thank you for how it teaches us. It's changed me and it's just changed my brothers and sisters that are here today. Do that work through the foolishness of preaching today. Lord, glorify Jesus' name, Lord, in and through the word that's going to be spoken today. Lord, everything that is from your very heart, from your very mouth, Lord God, let, let it have impact in the lives and hearts of those that are gathered here and those that are online. And Father, we ask that you would glorify your name in a mighty way through the preaching of the word today, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Is this working? No. No? Okay, I got it going every direction. Okay, I, I guess I'll do the African thing and hold, a, hold the podium mic. Hallelujah. It's no problem. Recently, one of our national missionary partners in Africa, now, for those of you that aren't familiar with that term, that's a term we use in Timothy 2 Project to describe national pastors who we've trained well, and now we send them, instead of us going, we send them to go do workshops. So one of our national missionary partners was doing a workshop in the Democratic Republic of Congo. He was training these pastors on the work of Christ on the cross. When one of the pastors got up from his seat, walked 
to the front, got down on his knees and said, I've just discovered I'm not yet born again. Literally in the middle of a pastor's workshop, that's what took place. Now he'd been leading the church for several years and he understood the gospel in his head, but the Holy Spirit showed to him through the word of God that he was not yet born again. So he immediately responded to the good news and he was given life by Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. I mean that. Praise God. That's wonderful. Now, over the years, I've discovered that faith in Jesus Christ is essential, but it looks different in different people. That's okay, I think, as long as you truly have faith in Jesus Christ and are truly born again. I'm going to make a statement that you have to think about, but I believe this is absolutely true, that there are people sitting in churches all through Wilmington this morning that are not born again, all through, all through Wilmington. They understand the gospel perhaps in their head. They may have been to church for many years even, and they understand the gospel in their minds, but they've never really received Jesus Christ and so been born again. And so if Jesus is calling you to himself, one of the things this text talks about is how gracious Jesus is, especially as we look at the person of Thomas in our passage this morning, because Thomas had all the evidence, didn't he? I mean, Thomas... He had, he had seen multiple miracles that Jesus did. He had heard Jesus teach just about every day for the last three years. He had gotten to know Jesus, knew his character well. He had heard the testimony of the rest of the disciples that Jesus had risen from the dead, but he refused to believe until Jesus met him where he was. And so for those of you who are not yet born again, that's, that's a great hope. That's, I, I praise God for that truth. For those of you that know Christ and you know you're born again this morning, Jesus still delights to meet you, amen? He, he delights to reveal himself more and more and more to you and he really ultimately calls you to step out in deeper faith in Christ in your day-to-day -day lives. Here's our theme idea today, that Jesus reveals himself to his disciples so that they might believe in him and have eternal life. The same thing is true of you and me also. Now, as Steve preached on last Sunday, Jesus first appeared to Mary after the resurrection from the dead. She told the disciples what she had seen and what Jesus had said to her. But it was too difficult for them to believe from one woman's testimony. Clearly, the disciples from the text that Steve read last week, the early part of John 20, did not yet understand about Jesus' resurrection. How do we know this? Well, John 20 tells us, but even aside from that, they're hiding in a room. They're in a locked room because they're afraid of the Jews. Now think about that for a second. Why do you hide? Why do you lock the door because you're afraid? Well, because you know that something bad might happen to you. That's what you're expecting to happen, right? So in these moments, at least, these disciples, they're not trusting in Jesus. Amen? They're not, they're not trusting in Jesus. What are they doing? They're, they're focused on self. Anytime you're overcome by fear or worry... That's true of me and you also, by the way, <laughs> okay? Anytime you're overcome by fear or worry, you're walking in your flesh. You're not, you're not walking by the Spirit. But then all of a sudden in our text, Jesus appears inside the room. Now, the other Gospels talk about the disciples being frightened and thinking that Jesus was a ghost. I mean, how else could someone just show up in a room where the doors are all locked? How is that even possible? So that's what they're thinking, John doesn't talk about those sort of things, but he does give the appearance that they're unsettled. You know, you know this, I think, but let me remind you that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. 
He's not bound in any way like you and I are bound. He can appear anywhere at any time and reveal himself to a person. Amen? Praise God that that's true. He, he can reveal himself to you and to me and to anybody else at any time in any way that he chooses to do that. Now, yes, it's true that when Jesus walked the earth, he did not use his deity to his own advantage, as Philippians 2, 5, and 6 tells us, so that he could suffer in your place and my place as a human on the cross for us. But after the resurrection, he's no longer bound by human form so he can appear anywhere to reveal himself to the disciples or to us. Now when Jesus appears, he speaks, it's a traditional greeting, peace be over you. It's a traditional greeting, but Jesus, his presence brings peace, amen? Any, anytime you're in the presence of Jesus, there, there's peace that's there. So Jesus brings peace to his obedient disciples and shows them his wounds, his, the nail, nail points in, in his wrists and his hands and his side. He shows these to them to, to give them comfort so they understand and embrace that this is actually Jesus. And once they got over the shock of seeing Jesus appear to them, they're joyful because now Jesus has been resurrected from the dead and they rejoice in that. Now, I want to back up for a moment because I want us to, to think about and put ourselves in the place of the disciples. You've watched your master, your Lord, as he's crucified. You know that it's taken place. You, you know that he's been buried in a tomb. Your hopes, your dreams, they've been dashed, they've been destroyed. You're sad, you're grieving at what has just happened. On top of this, you're worried about the fact that the Jewish authorities who put Jesus to death know that you're one of Jesus' disciples so that they might be coming after you. And so you're, you're worried about these sort of things. Then you find out that one of your trusted women, Mary, went to the tomb and it was empty. Now you know that's true because Peter and John also went to the empty tomb. They, they, they know the tomb is empty. There's no doubt in their mind about that. But then Mary tells this sort of fantastic story about seeing Jesus and hearing Jesus speak to her. Now you don't know what to make of that. You, you, you're not sure if what Mary said is true at this point. And then Peter calls you together. So the disciples are together in that room. When all, all of a sudden Jesus appears. Now I don't know if you can even think about what you might, how you might respond if Jesus just appeared in the room, but I think it would again shock all of us on some level. Jesus gives his peace to you and shows himself to you so that you're certain now that what Mary said is true, that Jesus has, in fact, been risen from the dead. And so your emotions go from grief to great joy. Hallelujah. Jesus is now alive. Now, you don't know what that means for you, but you know that it's something that is joyful. That's something that you can take great delight in. Jesus has revealed himself to you. And, of course, Jesus does bring his joy when we worship him. Hallelujah. People of God. I think the first point in our sermon this morning, rejoice. Those of you that are saved, you, you know you're born again. You know you belong to the Lord. Rejoice in that. Re rejoice in it. Paul says, rejoice again. Again, I say rejoice. It's a command in Philippians 4. Now, this is what usually happens in my life and probably your life, is the, the trials of life squeeze in. And then our focus gets off of Jesus and off of the, the work he's done to bring us salvation and gets on to the trials. Now, you, you know what happens emotionally when that happens. When, when, you're, when your focus is on the trials, on the tribulation, on the struggle, that's where your emotions are going. That's, that's the way God's made us all. 
And so when you get your eyes off of the trial, onto Jesus, onto the salvation that is given to you, you can have joy and peace even in the midst of hardship like this. He gives, Jesus reveals himself to the disciples and gives them his joy, his peace. He can do that with you and with me too whenever we go to him. He's still working to draw men and women and boys and girls to himself. I still remember, this is, this is over 20 years ago, but I still remember it very, very clearly. I was here at Myrtle Grove. I was one of the associate pastors here at Myrtle Grove. And Jim Glasgow, Pastor Jim Glasgow, many of you know him well, he was preaching a sermon on just before Easter on the, the crucifixion and then the resurrection. And then he, he gave a, a call to respond. And one of the men that's near the front responded. Now, I didn't know this particular man, but I went up to him and invited him back to the chapel because I wanted to spend some time with him so he would, he would um, really understand the gospel and respond to it. And so I shared the gospel again with Gene when we were back there. Then I asked him what decision he wanted to make. Was he ready to receive Jesus Christ or not and be saved? Well, Gene, through tears, said this. He said, I don't know how to say it other than I know for the first time that Jesus is real. I know the gospel is real. It's true. Jesus revealed himself to Gene that day. Hallelujah. <laughs> it was glorious. It was wonderful. It's a work of the Holy Spirit through the word of God. Amen. Into the heart, into the life of a receptive person who hears and then responds with the faith that Jesus has given to him. Gene did this that day, and I did it when I was a young boy over 50 years ago. Hallelujah. Which brings us to our second point this morning. Jesus sends and then empowers his disciples. Now, Jesus, in the text, repeats his initial greeting to them, that they have his peace. Then he commissions them. Now, this is, this is important. He commissions them and then sends them into the world. Now, Jesus ties this commission to the disciples with his own commission. As the Father has sent me, in the same way I'm sending you. Now, to understand that, then we have to understand how did the Father send the Son? That, that's, that, that's the first question we need to ask of the text. Well, first of all, Jesus didn't remain in heaven. Jesus, we know, we know he's everywhere. We understand that, okay? But, but Jesus came in human form to be with us, to live a life that we're supposed to live and to die the death that we deserve. But Jesus came to be with us. That's, that's the first way that the Father sent the Son, which applies to you and to me. And secondly, Jesus was sent with authority and power from his Father to accomplish, his, to accomplish the purposes for which the Father sent him, to gain great glory for Jesus' name among the nations is the idea. Jesus was sent to accomplish redemption for God's elect. Now, of course, we don't accomplish redemption. Jesus has already done that. But we testify, don't we? We testify to what God has done in our lives to redeem us, to buy us out of slavery to sin, literally is what, what redemption means. That's what Jesus has done for you and me on the cross. And then we're sent with the same authority that Jesus was sent with. Amen? Do you understand? The same authority, because the same Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead, the same Holy Spirit that came upon Jesus at his baptism, that same Holy Spirit, if you know Christ, dwells in you. Hallelujah. We're sent with the same power that Jesus had. I, I, sometimes I think, you know, we say things like this, but I don't know if, if I really believe it sometimes. 
I don't know in my heart of hearts if, if I'm convinced that the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells inside of me, the same power, the same authority, the, 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 same, the same calling that Jesus had. As the Father sent me, so I send you. Hallelujah. So as we invite the Holy Spirit to use us and fill us, he does. Now whether your calling by Jesus is to go to Africa, that's me, or to go across the street, or to your neighbor, or to your workmate, I don't know who that is for you, but that, that's, that's all of us have, have the same calling. Jesus has both saved us and sent his children, that's me, to do his bidding, to plead with others to receive the gift of life that we've been given. Then the text says this, Jesus breathes on them and says, receive the, the Holy Spirit. Now the main point here I think is clear. The main point is Jesus is commissioning them, so he's giving them the spirit to empower them to fulfill the commission. That's the main point, so don't miss that because there's all this discussion, okay, that surrounds what does this really mean, especially in light of Acts chapter 2 where the spirit falls on them at Pentecost. What is this compared to that? <clears throat> and there's all kinds of opinions I will tell you, which I'm not going to go into this morning for time's sake, but... The best commentary, I believe the best commentary in the Gospel of John says this text is obscure. Hmm, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have a conviction that I'm going to share with you about what it means. This is what I believe it means. This is the point. This is the place, the time, the moment of salvation for the first disciples. Now, do you understand the idea, I hope, that the moment you were converted, the moment you came to faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit now dwells inside of you. Amen? You're a temple of the Holy Spirit, in other words. The Holy Spirit lives within all true believers in Jesus Christ. This is clear from many passages of scriptures. I'm going to give you one. I think it's going to be on the screen. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. Listen. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. So here, the disciples believed in and received Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, what we call conversion. Later, at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes upon the disciples, empowering them to be his witnesses. Okay, These are twin elements of a singular work of the Holy Spirit in all true believers. And so the Spirit empowered Jesus at his baptism, empowered the early disciples at Pentecost to be his witnesses. Now, the reason that I think that John 20 is speaking about conversion is this. This goes back to what Steve preached on last week in his excellent sermon. Mary clearly expected to find a dead body at the tomb, right? Clearly, that's what she expected. The early disciples, it says in, in, in John 20, earlier in John 20, it says that the early disciples did not yet understand that Jesus had to rise from the dead. That's what the text says very clearly. They believed that Jesus was their Messiah, but did not yet believe in his resurrection from the dead. Now think about this with me, please. Anyone who's born again, as, as, as many of you born again, anyone, you believe these things. You believe in your mind and your heart these things. Number one, you believe that Jesus lived a sinless life. Jesus, the Son of God, came in human form, lived a sinless life. You believe that. You've received that. You've, you've embraced that. You believe, secondly, that Jesus died in your place on the cross. 
literally the death that I deserve, the death that you deserve, Jesus died on the cross in our place. You believe that and you receive that in your mind and your heart. And third, this is, this is where it's important, you believe that Jesus was raised from the dead in victory over sin, over Satan, even over death itself. That's what you believe if you're born again this morning. The disciples did not yet understand the last part of the gospel until they met the resurrected Christ. So now they believe the full gospel, so are born again. So here, the Spirit empowers us to live the Christian life as, we're, as we receive the gift of the Spirit at conversion. You don't live the Christian life in your own strength, my dear friends. At least I hope you don't. If you try, I, I know what's happening. You, you're not doing it well, okay, because that's the way it works. No, you, you live the Christian life by faith in what Christ has done for you and in you to enable you to live the Christian life. That's, that's the way it works for all of us. And verse 23 in our text today, I think is also confusing to some people, but I think confirms what I just said. Because this is what it means, I believe. If you're a born-again Christian and are sharing the gospel with somebody else and they believe the gospel for the first time, they receive Jesus Christ by faith, then we, the idea is corporate, the words are corporate, the church, okay, we as the, as the body of Christ, can pronounce that their sins are forgiven. That's what verse 23 means. I mean, the same thing is true if they reject the gospel. If a person rejects the gospel, so rejects Christ, the church recognizes that their sin is not forgiven by Christ. Because how is your sin forgiven by Christ? You receive Jesus. If you reject Jesus, is there another way to salvation? Yes or no? No. There's no other way to salvation. So the church is able to pronounce and says, if you reject Christ, this is, this is it's biblically true, if you reject Christ, there is no other way to salvation for you. So your sin, you still are in your sins. That, that, that is the gospel, my friends. Amen? And we really do this every Sunday morning. Dan did it this morning with us. We spend a few moments, even as followers of Jesus, we spend a few moments. We confess our sins before the Lord. The Lord knows them. You're not telling him what he doesn't know. He knows it, right? But you're, you're, you're agreeing with what he knows to be true of your heart. That's what you're doing. And then you receive the forgiveness that Christ has already purchased for you. That, that is the gospel. That is how we respond every Sunday. It's right. It's the right way to respond. It's good. All right? But, but that's what we're saying, that, that there, there's an assurance of forgiveness for me and for you and for all of you who, who know Christ and are born again. We're, we're, we're certain that we belong to Christ because of the gospel. When I was a pastor here back in the 90s, we had a neighbor named Bill. Now, Bill was not yet born again when we first met him. We, we invited Bill and his wife, Chris, to come to Myrtle Grove. His brother, Bill's brother, was born again and was, was sharing the gospel with him consistently. Praise God. In fact, Bill's brother is the one who led him to faith in Jesus Christ. Now, Bill had an interesting statement. He said this. He said, before I prayed and received Christ, I was reading my Bible some, but it made absolutely no sense to me. After I received Christ, all of a sudden, the Bible, its meaning, were perfectly clear to me. I couldn't believe that I was reading the same book, but the Spirit within me opened my eyes to see what the Bible said. He said, I know that my sins are now forgiven, right? That's a question to me, <laughs> okay? And so my response was, yeah, because you've received Christ and his work on the cross, your sins are forgiven, Bill. Praise God, amen? That's exactly what verse 23 is talking about in my view. So if you're not certain of your salvation, 
today. If you're online or if you're here today, you're not certain of your salvation, praise God. Praise God. But t- today is a good day for you. It's a day of salvation. Let's, let's see the last point here, that Jesus confronts Thomas's refusal to believe. It's the rest of the, of the text, our, the rest of our passage this morning. Now, we're not told why, but Thomas is not with the other ten disciples when Jesus appears in the room and reveals himself to them. Thomas meets them later, and all ten of the disciples have the same testimony. We have seen the Lord, is what they tell him. So the ten men who you've grown to know and trust over the last three years, you trust their character, what are you doing? You're rejecting their clear testimony. It sounds to me, or seems to me, like it's pretty strong evidence. You you know ten men who've seen the same thing, and they say to you, I have seen this. Do you believe it? Most of you would. It's pretty, pretty strong evidence, in my view, that what they said is actually true. But Thomas refuses to believe. Now, I know his nickname is Doubting Thomas, but I actually don't like that nickname, and I'll tell you why. Because it's more than doubt. It's, it's a refusal to believe with even conditions given in order for you to believe. That's what he says. He says, unless, unless I see his hands in the, in the nail marks and put my finger in the nail marks, unless I put my hand out and put it in his side. Remember, remember the wound that he got on the cross? Remember when the, he was pierced with the spear to see if he was still alive? Do you remember that, that wound? Unless I put my hand in that place, I will not believe. That's what he said. Wow. That's, that's, a, <laughs> that's a strong statement, I think. I, wanna, I want you to note how gracious Jesus is to Thomas. Jesus could have left Thomas in his refusal to believe. He could have done that. It's possible, right? Except that Jesus is gracious to all whom he's drawing to faith in himself. He chooses to meet Thomas where he is in his stubborn refusal to believe the clear testimony of those that he knows. If Jesus is drawing you to faith today, praise God. Praise God. He knows exactly what you need. He knows how to work to draw you to authentic faith in Jesus Christ. So how did he do this? What, what, What happened here? Well, Jesus reveals himself again in a similar fashion to the 11 disciples now because Thomas is with them. When Jesus appears, he greets them with a traditional greeting of peace like he did the first time. He brings his peace to them as we talked about. This time, however, Jesus turns directly to Thomas. Jesus, he knows all things. So he knows what Thomas said. Now think about that for a second. He knows all things. He knows what you're thinking right now. (laughs) <laughs> okay, that, that's scary and wonderful at the same time. It's scary because he knows all my wayward thoughts, and it's wonderful because he loves me right in the midst of my wayward thoughts, amen? That's exactly what's happening here. He knows exactly what Thomas has thought. Look at Thomas. Jesus held out his hands to Thomas, invited him to put his fingers in the nail print, to thrust his hand into his side where he had been pierced by the spear, And he addresses Thomas pointedly. Do not be disbelieving. The word is not doubt. Some translations have doubt. Disbelieving is a good translation. Do not be disbelieving, but believe. The Greek word believe is not simply talking about mental agreement, as we started the sermon off with with that illustration this morning. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about believing with your mind and receiving with your heart, which is why I like to use John 1, 12 and 13. When I'm sharing the gospel with somebody, this is the passage that I use at the end. 
I'm going to read it to you. I think it's on the screen. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. In other words, in order to be saved, a person believes in Jesus with their mind, receives Jesus by faith with their hearts, and that person is born of God. That's what the text says. This is what happens to Thomas. The transformation in Thomas is complete. He immediately responds with a clear statement, actually in the Gospels, about who Jesus is. My Lord and my God. Powerful statement. Jesus graciously and powerfully reveals himself to Thomas, leading to Thomas's clear expression of faith. So disbelieving Thomas is now believing Thomas. And so he's saved at that moment. Now notice that Jesus, he doesn't resist Thomas's declaration, my Lord and my God. He doesn't resist that at all. Instead, he gently rebukes Thomas when he says this, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me and believed. He's talking about you and me. He's talking about all who have come to faith in Christ today. Now, Jesus still reveals himself to us or we would not be saved, right? Amen? He, he does it in many, many different ways, but he does it through the word of God. He does it through testimonies of people like you and like me. He does it through, he can do it through in any way, through dreams and visions or whatever way he chooses, he can do that, but he reveals himself so you can know him and respond to the gospel. Now, I've seen this many times over the years. I'll just tell you one, one, one of these stories. I was with a medical doctor in the Philippines. We were there for almost a year. And I was discipling him. I was men mentoring this medical doctor. He's a young Christian. And instead of witnessing to his uh, friend, what the medical doctor did, and I've seen this before, is he invited his friend to come meet with us as we were meeting. Now, he didn't tell me about this, okay? He just told his friend to come. So his friend shows up, and we chit-chat for a few minutes, and then all of a sudden, the doctor gets called out on an appointment. Didn't sound like a, you know, sound like a setup appointment to me. But anyway, so there's his friend and myself are in the room. And so I, I know why the, the, the doctors brought him. It was very clear to me. So I shared the gospel with him. It wasn't complicated. It was a very simple message of the gospel. And before I could finish getting the words out of my mouth, literally, before I could finish sharing the gospel, he said, I believe now, and I want Jesus to be my Savior. I said, wait a minute. <laughs> I wanted to finish the gospel because I wanted to make sure he understood it. All right? But he's ready to receive Jesus before I even finish sharing the gospel. It's a work of the Spirit of God working through the Word of God. He's heard the Scripture before, obviously. It was so clear to me that he had been prepared by the Holy Spirit for that moment that I didn't even have to think about it. I knew what the Lord was doing because it was so evident from the way that it took place. It was his appointed time for salvation, and the Lord happened to use me to share the gospel with him. Praise God. Praise God that he desires to use me and use you to share the good news about Jesus Christ. It's joyful. There was great joy in that room that day. It was great joy. We, we get to participate with God in what he's doing to save people. Now, the, the rest of the, the passage this morning, Pastor Stacy commented on, I know, two weeks ago when I was here. He says that uh, John tells his purpose for writing the gospel at the end of this chapter. That's exactly what he does. 
these things are written that you, plural, you all, may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And so the question that comes out of the text right there is this. Are you sure you have eternal life in his name? That's the, t- that's the question from the text. Have you both believed in Jesus Christ and received him by faith? Have you done that? If you're not certain of your salvation this morning, I would urge you, encourage you to pray a prayer with me after the service today. We, 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 we want to make sure that those who want to come to faith that God is drawing to himself have the opportunity to do that today. But also, it's for those of you that know Christ. Those of you that know Christ, there are really two applications in our text today. One is, he's commissioned you. He's not just commissioned the early disciples. He's commissioned you. If you know Christ, you're also commissioned. That's the way it works. You're commissioned to be witnesses, to be his ambassadors, 2 Corinthians 5 says. His ambassadors to anybody that the Lord puts in your midst. Now, I don't know how that works in your life. And, and this, is not a, this is not a guilt thing. Don't, that isn't the point here, okay? But the idea is to say, that's who we are, my dear friends. It's who I am. It's who I am as a follower of Jesus Christ. One, one who will testify very quickly about what Jesus has done in my life. And the second application for those of you that know Christ is he wants you to know him better. That's my conviction from the scriptures. He, he loves you right where you are. He loves you where you are, but he wants you to know him better. That, that, that's his agenda. That's one of his, the things he's doing in your life, whether you realize it or not. Now, we have a part in that. We have a part that we play where we respond by, by reading and seeking him out of the word of God each day. So let me close us in prayer right now, and then we're going to sing our closing song. So would you just agree with me? First, for that one who's here today or online today, you're not certain that you have salvation. I want to pray a simple prayer of faith. The words you say are not what's important. It's your heart that's important. So we just just pray a prayer something like this. Dear Jesus, I acknowledge before you that I have sinned against you many times. And I'm truly sorry for those sins. I'm truly sorry. And I would ask, in Jesus' name, I would ask, that you would show yourself to me, Lord, that you would help me to respond to the gospel today. I have faith. I believe that you are the, the, the sinless one, the one who lived on the earth and had no sin. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you rose from the dead in victory over sin, over Satan, over death for me. You did that for me. I believe that. And so now by faith, I receive you into my heart by faith. I believe the gospel by faith today. Thank you, Father, for the ones who prayed that prayer. I would cover them with my faith. Pray you'd draw them more deeply, more deeply, Lord, into a a love relationship with you. And now for those of you who know Christ, you knew Christ when you came in this morning, but I pray for them, Father. I pray that you would put a new zeal in us, Father, for the gospel. Put Put a new hunger for the gospel so we would seek you, Lord, more wholeheartedly than we've sought you. We would, we, would, we would hunger to know you better as our God and to tell others about who you are. Do this in a way that would bring you the most glory, but do this in our midst. We ask it in agreement in Jesus' name. Amen.